is Josie, your host, and this is another one of our Topic Tuesdays. I hope you like this new addition to the podcast, trying to change it up and make it a little bit more informative, not just talking about myself all the time and my journey, but also giving information that hopefully you find useful. And to that end, this week, we are going to be discussing some financial surprises that women might encounter when going through divorce or starting the divorce journey. And I will mention that this is coming from an article that I found on the Forbes website called The Six Nasty Financial Surprises for Divorcing Women. And I will link it in the show notes so that you can also read it and check it out. Some of these I have encountered, some of them I haven't, but I'm going to share my experience or my thoughts on each one of them. Okay, so then let's just jump right in. Number one is being unaware of the total size of your marital debt, including the primary mortgage, home equity lines of credit, auto financing, credit cards, 401k loans, and student loans. So it is important, absolutely, that you have a full inventory of what is going on in your household. I know that many women, I'm not going to say most, but a very big majority of women do hand, hand off all of their respo- financial responsibilities to the husband. They let him handle the bills and handle payments and handle the money. So there's a lot of women out there that don't exactly know how the finances really look. Like all the bills are getting paid and I have a roof over my head, so I think everything's fine. But if they looked under the hood, they might see that there, you know, there are like five or six credit cards all maxed out and that you guys are really just living paycheck to paycheck and there's no savings. A lot of scary situations could be under the hood. So the first thing that you want to do is be aware of what the numbers are. I'm not saying tell your husband that you want to handle everything. I would just suggest that you sit down with him maybe once a month. If once a month is too much, then maybe every two months or every quarter and just have a conversation of how are things going? What do our debts look like? What do our bills look like? What does our mortgage look like? What does our savings and uh, checking account look like? What is our or your, but still our retirement fund looks like, so that you have a clue. I have been in a situation where I've asked um, a wife what the mortgage payment is on their house, and they have no idea. They don't know. It's important to know. These are like very basic things that you should know. What is the car payment? I don't know. How many credit cards do you guys have? I don't know. You, If you're listening to this now and can't answer those questions, then you have some work to do. And not just because you're divorcing either. It is important even if you are in a married, committed, long-term relationship that you guys know your numbers because you never know what can happen and you need to be prepared. And maybe you wouldn't be spending as much if you knew that, oh, everything I'm spending is getting taken care of by using a credit card and, and, and pulling out credit card money ahead, you wouldn't maybe spend on that purse or those shoes or, or splurge on, you know, weekly coffee if you knew that you guys really didn't have the money. But when you think it's all okay, and then let's say that you you don't know, and then you do get a divorce. 
And you're thinking, well, that's okay because with half of the mortgage, uh, if we sell the house and, you know, his 401k and, and whatever, I will be able to stand on my feet until I can do this on my own. But guess what? The house has three mortgages. And you're not going to be, when you sell it, you, you're not going to get anything. And you have crazy credit card debts. And maybe he even took some of the credit cards out in your name and you didn't even know. So definitely, definitely know exactly what is going on in your house. Know the numbers. Ask about the numbers. Don't be shy to ask about the numbers. You have a right to know. All right, moving on to number two not anticipating that you would have to return to the workforce. Well, if you weren't really paying attention or being involved in your finances, which is the number one item on our list, you could probably end up having to return to the workforce because you didn't realize that there was no money. You didn't realize that the house had no available equity because there was a mortgage, a second mortgage, and a home equity line of credit on there. And you didn't realize that there is no 401k or that whatever was in there had been taken out to pay debts and there is no retirement. So even if you are divorcing young and there was no time to really build up or you never even bought a home, the reality is that alimony and child support are things that don't always happen and you have to meet a threshold in many places to even especially the alimony, to even receive alimony or long-term alimony. And child support is unenforceable, really. I mean, the way it is in the world right now, or I mean, I should say in the United States, the court could award you child support. And you should be like, great, let's say I'm supposed to get, you know, $850 a month. That's all well and good, but if they don't pay it, they don't pay it. Just a number on a spreadsheet isn't going to help you. You actually need the money. And it's very hard to get um, to get that money, really. You can penalize uh, a person for not paying child support by getting their license suspended. And uh, sometimes they'll arrest them and then they can make a partial payment and they can get out. And then you'll have to try and arrest them again in another four or five months. It's... It can be extremely stressful, and so you can't really count on that. You have to be prepared to probably go back to work. And if that's something that you definitely don't want to do or can't do, or you know you have little kids, and what are you going to do? Where are you going to put them? Do you have money for daycare? All of those things are things that need to really be considered. And I'm not saying stay in a horrible marriage because you can't afford to go back to work and, and also keep your kids. I'm just saying... All of these steps that we're going to go through, including this one, are things that you need to really think about before you make these steps and get all your ducks in a row even. Unless, of course, you're in a dangerous situation where you're being, you know, physically abused or abused in any way and really need to get out. Then, of course, those are extenuating circumstances. Now we're on the third nasty financial surprise. Basically one I just kind of talked about, but it is assuming that child support and or alimony would be higher or last longer. And I basically just touched on it, but I will touch on it again. It's exactly right. You don't know how much child support you will get. And some people will quit their jobs just so that they don't have to pay child support, which is a really shit move. But I've 
seen it and heard it many, many times. They just won't work or they'll work under the table. And then there is uh, under the table means that they will get paid cash at the job and not have to uh, claim claim the income. And so you can't prove it. They don't have any paper trail and you don't get any money. So it's unfortunate, but it does happen a lot. I've seen a lot of uh, people talk about where, you know, their husband, for the most part, but it could be wise too, will quit their job so that they don't have to pay child support. And then what are you going to do? Even if you got awarded $3,000 a month, if they have no job, what are you going to do about it? It just keeps adding up and adding up and you won't see it. And so the same about alimony. Alimony is just a little bit different because when you pay child support, when they pay you child support, they can't claim it and you don't have to claim it either tax wise. But alimony, they can uh, deduct their alimony from their taxes and you have to claim it as income. But it's still a little bit harder to get the alimony as the child support. I'm not even sure. I never really dealt with alimony myself, to be honest, because I, I received child support, but I didn't want alimony. We were married almost 10 years, but I didn't want alimony because I, you know, was had that proud thing of I'm going to make it myself. I don't want to depend on your money, but you sure as hell are going to pay to help support your child because he's your child. I'm not going to let you off the hook on that. But me, I will survive on my own. Was that right or wrong? Would I do it again today? I mean, I, I survived and I did well. I, I prospered even. So I don't know that I would change my mind now. And honestly, it's not like he was rolling in the dough. I mean, if he had tons of money, then I probably would have said absolutely. But he was paying a pretty decent chunk of child support. So I wasn't going to like try and, you know, I'm not going to say double dip. But, you know, I wasn't out there to screw him either. I My goal was to move on. So if I'm expecting him to pay me every month to live, I don't see that as much of moving on. But everybody's situation is different. And we were only uh, married, you know, together for 10 years. If you're married 20 something years, and that's a whole different ballgame. So it all depends. But the, you know, where it says it would be higher, like a higher amount, because you just never know what numbers they're going to give you to uh, what numbers they're going to give the court, which would make the court decide on what the child support would be or last longer, specifically in alimony, because alimony could be until you remarry. It could be, you know, just a couple of years. It really depends. And if they only approve you for a couple of years, you got to figure out what's happening next. Also, keep in mind that child support usually in the United States, unless you live in Puerto Rico or some other one or two other states, I believe, it goes up until 21. But most places, it is 18. And I think you would really need to write it in your divorce papers that they would pay anything if the child decides to go to college full time. But that is something that you would need to kind of write in extra. I'm, From what I've seen, it's mostly just 18 and it stops. And uh, after that, it's something that would need to be very clearly stated on the divorce papers. Or the moment they turn 18, you can just forget about seeing another penny. Let's move on now to the fourth nasty financial surprise for divorcing women. Assuming that you would get to keep the marital home. Well, that is also a tough one because usually... The 
if it's not a friendly divorce, if there's not a lot of um, agreement on things, usually the court will have you sell the house and split the proceeds, or they will allow the person who wants to keep the home to buy out the other person. That would require, if you had enough money to pay off the equity difference, check what the equity is, divide it by two, and then give them their part, or refinance the house to pay a higher mortgage, but be able to take out the equity to give to the other person. The Those are usually the three options. Sell it and split the proceeds both ways, refinance it to a higher payment and give the other person the half of their equity or buy them out from money you might have saved out somewhere. So very few middle-class people that I know and have been around are able to just, you know, pull out money from the bank and, and pay somebody half of the equity of a house. And refinancing is an option if you happen to have good credit, which is an important thing to have, and a job, which you would need to be able to refinance. And those two things kind of go back to a couple of the other conversations or the other points in the article that we're discussing is if you don't have a job and if you don't know what the finances are, you won't be able to know what you need to do to be able to keep the home. So another thing on keeping the home is if the house has two or three mortgages on it, there's no value in it, unfortunately. All the all of the equity has been taken up in all of those mortgages. And if you keep the house, you probably keep the bills you probably end up keeping all of those debts also, which is difficult. So the reality is you have to be prepared to possibly not be able to keep your home. And that's a sad one. It was sad for me. I say this almost all the time, like a broken record. I loved my house. I would have loved to have kept my house, but I fell into a couple of those scenarios. I had no job. I was a stay-at-home mom, so I couldn't afford to pay the mortgage. Also, we made some really bad decisions at the time with the home, and we ended up uh, having it refinanced a few times and a second mortgage on there. So there was just no way that I would be able to make those mortgage payments, and we ended up selling it. And when we sold it, because of all of the additional mortgages and refinances, I think we both walked away with $3,000. Like he got 3000 I got 3000 You're not going to survive on $3,000. So that's something that you really need to consider. The home might be worth $500,000. It might have like, you might have bought it at, you know, 200000 and it went up to 500000 And that's like, wow, great. But oops, I refinanced a couple times. Oops, I have a second mortgage on there. Turns out when I sell it, you know, I'm I'm only getting what fifteen thousand maybe back, and that's seven thousand each of you, seven thousand five hundred if you want to be exact. But then, what are you going to do with that? Sure, it'll be a little help, but it's not going to let you be able to buy a new place. So that is definitely something to consider. And here we are on nasty financial surprise number five, the staggering cost of health care insurance. Well, yeah, if you have been married for a long time and met, let's say you were a stay-at-home mom and your husband was the one who covered your insurance, when you get divorced, that's done with. You're going to have to come up with your own insurance. And insurance has just gotten worse and worse 
Hopefully you're young and healthy and you can find a decent plan. Or if you have a job, you can just get on your jobs insurance. But if you are older, but not old enough to apply for Medicare or Medicaid, you can, and you have, you know, any sort of medical issue, diabetes, anything, it's super duper expensive. And I can tell you that because I divorced young. I mean, I was 30, 30 something, but I had some pre-existing conditions and I could not get, I could get insurance, cheap insurance, really cheap insurance that I could pay with no problem. But I had to sign off that I wouldn't exclude my pre-existing condition. Well, what the heck was the point of insurance at that point? I could talk about how crappy insurance is way longer. I could make a whole podcast episode on that, but I won't. But I will just tell you that insurance is a thing. You don't think about it. You're just used to it being covered. But it's something you do need to consider and make sure that you have money for. Now, I will also say that I separated from my ex-husband and we didn't divorce for almost two years later. And he was kind enough for the most part to keep me on his insurance. I had to probably have been on his insurance for at least another year after we separated. I think I then finally got a decent job that I could get my own insurance. But he left me on there. And if you have a decent relationship with your ex, you can possibly, you know, make some arrangements to, hey, can you keep me on? Of course, once you're divorced, you're off. So that's, I don't think they even get that option. If you're not actually married, you would need to be removed. That might be something to look into because I'm not saying that I know for sure on that. But keep that in mind. If you're separating and you get along well, and maybe you get along well enough that he's willing to keep you on there and you're willing to, hey, I'll send you some money, you know, I'll, I'll give you uh, you know, 100 bucks, 150 bucks each month if you keep me on your insurance. It'll definitely be a lot cheaper than what it would cost you probably to find insurance on your own, especially if you have any sort of medical issues. Okay, so now the last one, which is number six of the six nasty financial surprises for divorcing women. And that one is underestimating the cost of getting a divorce. Now, for myself personally, I cannot complain. My ex-husband was not out to make me miserable. I was not out to make him miserable. Once it was decided that we wanted to get a divorce, we just wanted it over. None of us had money to throw away on lawyers. Neither of us had anything we wanted to fight so hard on that the other person didn't agree on. So I was blessed and very thankful that all I had to do was go and get the divorce papers from the courthouse, fill them out, and turn them in with the filing fee. I think I still have the receipt, honestly, but I think that I paid um, $375 for the divorce. That was it. Court filing fees, that was it. And it was quite a few years ago, so you know, obviously even filing fees have probably gone up. But that was what I paid for my divorce. But that is not typical. Usually there's lawyers involved and lawyers love to charge crazy amounts of money. And every time you talk to them, they're charging you for each hour that you even make a phone call to ask them a question. Divorces can cost 
crazy amounts of money, thousands and thousands and thousands. Could you do it for a couple thousand? Maybe if you need a lawyer and also your ex is willing to also negotiate, maybe you can still get a lawyer and have the lawyer fees not go too crazy. But but I'm seeing that some lawyers will do a free consultation, but once you retain them, it's already a couple thousand dollars. So a divorce could cost a heck of a lot of money, which is why I go back to nasty surprise number one and talk about know the number. Know how your family is doing financially. Know how the family is spending money. Know where money is going in. Know where money is going out so that you don't hire a lawyer to fight for half a house that you're not even going to get any money off of. You'll spend more on the lawyer than you will on the equity of the house because, oops, it had two mortgages on it. So before you consider getting lawyers, and I know that like if you have children and you have to fight over children and you have to fight over child support, you know, sometimes you have no choice. Clearly, there are many times when you have no choice to get a lawyer for a divorce. But just know that it is not going to be cheap. And this is why I would suggest to try and get along with the other person to not antagonize each other, not start fighting, not being ugly, because if you can have a peaceful divorce, trust me, one of my friends has made this quote that I'll never forget. And it says something like, now I'm not going to quote it right, but you can always leave a terrible marriage, but you can't leave a terrible divorce. And if you have kids, that means you're around this divorced person, your divorced partner, for a long time and there is zero reason for them to try and be nice to you and they will treat you like crap and they will fight you tooth and nail for many things so I'm not saying lay down for somebody I'm not saying don't fight for what you deserve I'm definitely not saying that I'm not saying to not go after what you need because you're trying to be nice you still have to obviously make sure that you are setting yourself up for the best possible post-marriage life that you can. But everything can be done, and it's all about the tone and the respect and how you approach that person and the situations. So I hope that discussing these six nasty financial surprises for divorcing women have been helpful to you, have made you think a little bit more about where you are, what step you might be in, which one of these surprises had you not considered? And are you thinking, maybe I need to look into this one more? Because the most important thing to be in all of this is to be informed. Get informed about as much as you can. And divorce is never going to be easy. It is never going to be easy. But if you have looked at these steps and are aware of these issues, then they're no longer surprises. And it's one less thing that you're going to have to worry about when you're going to be emotionally drained and dealing with all the other issues that come with divorce. One other thing I wanted to mention is I know it sounds scary. I know we touched on a lot of scary, big deal topics today. And I don't want you to be scared. Well, it is scary. I mean, you're not going to not be scared. It is a scary process. Divorce is a very scary process. But I want you to know that even though I have gone through some of these and others not so much, that I made it through. 
and I believe that you will make it through. It can be done. It's going to be hard, but I believe in you. You got this. And that wraps up this week's episode. As always, thanks for listening. If you would like to reach out to me and share your thoughts and opinions or comments and concerns, you can always do so at www.heavypagespodcast.com. And if you haven't rated and subscribed or shared this podcast with others, I encourage you to do so. I hope you have a wonderful day and a great rest of the week. Until next time, bye for now. Bye for now.